You know, I love the way that John chapter 4, verse 4 begins. It starts out like this. It says, now he had to go through Samaria. You know, Jews avoided Samaria like the plague. And in the opinion of the Jewish people at this particular time, uh, the Samaritan people were rejects. I mean, they, they were half-breeds. And so why would you ever even consider stepping foot uh, in the land of Samaria? And so they didn't. I mean, in fact, any Jew that was traveling from the north out of Jerusalem, even though Samaria was directly to the north, they would go completely around. Even though it made sense to walk directly through Samaria, they would cross over the Jordan to the east and go all of the the way around Samaria and cut back to the north. But the scripture says in John chapter 4, verse 4, that Jesus had to go. Now, why did he have to go through Samaria? Well, we don't know her name, but we know there was a woman there a woman who was drawing water around noontime. And this was a little unusual because at noon, it's the hottest part of the day, especially in a climate like in Samaria. And so why is this woman at the well at noon when most women like her drew well in the cooler morning or later in the cooler evening? No one else would be there. I mean, there's a good chance that she wouldn't have to come face to face with anyone. I mean, have you ever, have you ever worked so hard at avoiding seeing someone? I mean, maybe there's somebody in your life, maybe somebody from your past that you knew it was a possibility that they'd be in a certain location at a certain time. And so you go out of your way to make sure that you don't run into them because it would hurt too much. I mean, that's the case with this woman here. I mean, she's got her reasons. I mean, she's had five husbands, according to the scriptures. And not only has she had five husbands, but she's now with another man who's not her husband. And so she's got a reputation. And we know that she's out of excuses for the shameful life that she's been living up to this point in history. But all of that's about to change with Jesus. I mean, here this woman is prepared to live the rest of her life in the shame, uh, in the same sinful pattern that she's been in for so long. But Jesus meets her at the hottest part of the day, potentially the lowest point in her life, and he introduces her to a new life. I mean, he shows her love, he shows her grace, he shows her forgiveness. And for this woman, her life will never be the same. I mean, we have every reason to believe that from this day forward, once she has encountered Jesus and seen forgiveness and experienced forgiveness in her life, that she's a follower, never again to be the same. You know, I love this story. I love this story because there's some really important truths here that we see about God and his love and, and, and his forgiveness. I mean, for this woman, does she have a past? Yes. I mean, she's got a past. And as far as we know, up until this point, she's never done anything to try and alter, you know, her her way of living. She hasn't done anything to change her course. But once again, like so many other places in Scripture, and you can see this in your notes today, Jesus reminds us that it's not where you've been. And it really doesn't even have so much to do with where you stand right now. But, But our God, Jesus Christ, he's interested in where you go from here. That he's interested in where you go from here. Psalm chapter 103 verses 8 to 12 says it this way. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. You know, we've been in this uh, series, Not a Fan, for a really, really long time. And uh, this has been a a little bit longer series than we typically go through together. Uh, And we're going to wrap up this series today. But but my hope for you, my hope for me and and for us is that we're not going to just move on after today. 
and just kind of look ahead to what comes next. But that really everything we've been talking about over these last few weeks has a lot to do with who we are as a church and uh, the, the life that we believe that Jesus has invited us to live. You know, my hope for you is that throughout this series and through these past six weeks that you've been hearing the call from God in your life to follow Him and, and hopefully doing some internal work, you know, uh, working uh, to try and understand what it means for you and what it means to, to really pick up everything and to follow Jesus Christ. You know, a key verse for us over these last weeks has come from Luke chapter 9, verse 23. I want to look at that again. You know, Jesus was gathered with his disciples, and he's kind of really laying the foundation of what it means to follow, what it means to be a disciple. And even though the term Christian hadn't been used at this point in history, I mean, it, it really has everything to do with what it means to be a Christian, not only then, but it's what it means to be a Christian today. In Luke nine twenty-three, Jesus said to them, if anyone would come after me, He must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. I mean, what does a follower of Jesus do? Well, followers deny themselves. You know, followers are willing to humble themselves, to set everything aside, to set aside uh, their own will uh, to the side so that the will of God can truly take over in our lives. You know, following Jesus, as this first points out, means that we pick up a cross. And how often? I mean, how often do we pick up the cross of Jesus Christ? We're willing to do that daily. You know, that we're willing to die daily and we'll do everything that we can to surrender every bit of our lives over to him. Now, I don't know if you remember or not, but way back in week one, we closed our service uh, looking at a selection from the book, Not a Fan, written by Kyle Eidelman. And uh, if you were here, you might remember that at the very end of the service, I asked you to kind of use your imaginations with me for a moment and pretend, you know, that you're all alone sitting in a coffee shop and maybe there are others around and you've got a table all to yourself, maybe over in the corner and... And wouldn't you know it, out of nowhere, Jesus walks right into the building. And, you know, it may take a while for you to compose yourself, you know, especially if he sits down across from you and you're kind of looking around as, like, does anyone see this? Like, does anyone know what's going on here? And maybe you think you're on an episode of Punk or something, but you realize that's not true. And you're sitting there and maybe there's some chit-chat with Jesus and maybe you get some of your questions out, like, why are there mosquitoes? You know, I mean, have you ever wondered where they really fit into God's purpose for this world? But you get all of that, you know, out of the way and Jesus finally leans across the table and he looks you in the eyes and he asks you this question. What do we got going on here? I mean, you and me, I mean, just very personal for a moment, just you and Jesus. And he looks you in the eyes and says, what's this about? I mean, what do we've got going on here? What, what is it that you expect from me? And then he asks you that question we've been asking over the last weeks. Are are you a fan of Jesus? Are you a fan of me? Or do you really want to be one of my followers? You know, I, I hope you've taken some time with a question like that, you know, fan or follower. Do I want to be a fan of Jesus Or do I really want to be a follower of Jesus? And I hope you've been asking some tough questions. And not only for you, but maybe asking those questions along with your high school student. You know, to kind of see where they are. Maybe you're asking that question of a spouse. Or maybe you've been asking that question in your connection group. Or maybe asking that question with the person that you ride here with on on Sundays. Am I one big fan of Jesus? Or am I really working intentionally in my life to be a follower of His? Now, for some of you, you might be really encouraged as you're identifying some of those areas in your life where, you know what, I'm making some progress. I'm really pleased with where I am. You know, for others of you, you might be motivated because you've identified some areas where you need to do some work, but you're ready to do that work because you really want to be a follower of Jesus. I also recognize that for some of you, you may not be listening anymore and you're just ready for us to move on to something else. But I think there's also a possibility that there could be some guilt associated with a series like this. You know, maybe some desperation in your life, maybe some frustration because... 
you want to be a follower, but you look at your past and you look at things that you've done and even where you are right now and you say, I just don't know how to get from where I am right now to really where God wants me to be. And so what I want to do is I want to ask you to go back to that coffee shop one more time today and uh, just sit there and imagine having that face-to-face conversation with Jesus and maybe you've covered some of those items from your past and you know, throughout the conversation, you've talked a little bit about the present and you've talked about some of the fan tendencies and maybe some of those things that are holding you back from really going all in to be a completely committed follower of Jesus Christ. And once all of that's out of the way, to imagine Jesus looking in you in the eyes and saying this, I don't care where you've been. I don't even really care where you are right now. But what truly matters to me is where you go from here. And once he gets those words out of his mouth, he looks at you with all of this passion in his eyes and he says to you, now, are you ready to follow me? Are you really ready to follow me? You know, knowing that it doesn't matter where I've been or even where I am right now, it's where I go from here. And that's how I kind of want to wrap up with you today. That, that, that maybe we would invite God, we would invite the Holy Spirit to do that work in our lives this morning that we can, we can seek God's forgiveness We can put the shame to the side and even understanding or seeing our own sin that we can realize who Jesus really is for us and and we can hear those words of it doesn't matter where I've been or even where I am right now, but it's where I go from here. And what does that mean for you? And what does that mean for me, for those of us that really want to be followers of Jesus Christ? It's His desire for your life. It's His desire for my life. It's really His desire for this church. And so what's that look like? You know, at the end of Luke chapter 9, we meet three men who appear very eager to follow Jesus. And knowing this, Jesus extends the invitation to follow. And and it's really here, I think, that we learn a little bit more about what it means to be a follower of His. And so as a way of wrapping this series up today, I've got three words for you this morning. Uh, Three words that I think kind of help get our minds around what it means, what it means for you, what it means to me to be a follower of Jesus. The first word is this, if you're taking notes, it's the word wherever that we just take up this attitude of wherever. In Luke chapter 9, verse 57, it, it says it this way, As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Now, the word wherever here is an unconditional word. You know, the man says to Jesus, Jesus, wherever. I'll follow you wherever you want me to go. Wherever you're calling me, I'm going to follow. And I want you to notice Jesus' reply in verse 58. It says, Jesus replied, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Now that's just kind of of an obscure sort of way of of Jesus saying, hey, listen, uh, my travel budget doesn't permit me to stay at the Hyatt, you know, when I'm on the road. I mean, you've got to understand that I'm homeless. And, And so what Jesus is doing here is he's putting this man's desire for comfort really up against his desire to follow Jesus. And then Jesus sort of sits back to see who's going to win in the moment. And and I just can't help but wonder if that's one of the things that will keep you, will keep me from really following Jesus. Because if you're like me, you like your comfort. You know, again, we're the people of the Snuggies and, and, and the, you know, recliners and, and all of these little necessities that we feel like we have. I mean, we are all comfort seekers by nature. and We like our comfort, but there's, there's really no way of getting comfortable when you've got the cross of Jesus Christ on your back. I mean, there may be some comfort attached to it from time to time. You might forget it's there, but it's going to be an uncomfortable life. I mean, no matter how you adjust that cross, it's going to hurt once in a while. And so a person who is following Jesus, I mean, their life isn't driven by this personal need or this personal desire for comfort. 
You know, there's a hymn that uh, we used to sing in the church that I grew up in. We sing that song from time to time here too, but it's the song, I Surrender All. And, and you might know the words, you might know the lyrics to that great hymn, I Surrender All, I Surrender All, All to Thee, My Precious Savior, I Surrender All. You know, unfortunately, too many times in my life as a, you know, wannabe follower of Jesus Christ, you know, I, I change those words from I Surrender All to I Surrender Some. You know, I, I, I surrender some of these things. I, I surrender some because I don't want to surrender my pride. Or I surrender some because I don't want to surrender, you know, my anxiety. I surrender some because I don't want to surrender my plans or surrender my will or my selfish desires. Or I don't want to surrender my lustful thoughts. Or I don't want to surrender my finances. Or I'm not willing to surrender my time. And, and like this first man who comes to Jesus, you know, we might be quick to say, you know, I will follow you wherever you lead me. But what happens when that wherever becomes a very specific place in your life? You know, a specific place that God wants to lead you. I mean, what happens when Jesus looks at some place in your life and says, wherever, really? Great. What about there? I mean, because as a follower, we say wherever. And what if Jesus looks at you and looks in your life and says, great. Now, what about your family? I mean, what about your family? I mean, what, what if following Jesus really begins there for you today? And what Jesus is saying to you, dads, is that you need to go home and you need to give your kids the time they deserve. Uh, you need to go home and, and you need to surrender, you know, and, and understand what's going on in their life and your place and your role that God has called you to as the spiritual leader, as, you know, pouring into them, you know, listening to their needs and their dreams and, and helping them understand what discipleship looks like in their life. And so we may say, you know, wherever I'm into this today, and Jesus might look right back at you and say, great, what about there? You know, and... We might say wherever, and he might look at you and say, great, what about your marriage? I mean, wives, you know, what about your marriage? Because maybe you've come to the place where you've just sort of given into the fact that this is the way it's going to be, but Jesus looks at you and says, no, it begins there. I mean, wives, are you praying for your husband? Are, Are you loving them as Christ loved the church? You know, or have you given up? I mean, we might say, I'll follow Jesus, but he might turn to you and say, great, it begins in your marriage. It starts there today. I mean, we might say wherever and he might say to us, well, great, what about your work? Because, you know, for the last 20 years, you've been leaving me in the car every morning at 8 a.m. And maybe Jesus wants to say to you today, great, what about there? What about your work? You know, wherever, you know, we might say, Jesus says, what about your college or at your school or when you get together with old friends? Or what about this? I mean, what if Jesus points to a really specific place in your life like Haiti or India or the east side of Indianapolis and says, great, now that you're ready to follow, what about there? I mean, this man stands before Jesus and says, wherever. And I want you to see that that's where you and me, that's where we find ourselves with Jesus today. To understand that following him means wherever. Wherever he wants to lead. And so the question that I want to ask you today is, are you going to choose the path of comfort in your life? Or are you going to really take up this attitude of wherever? Wherever he leads me, I'll go. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said it this way, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. He bids him come and die. You know, it kind of goes back to that verse. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Following Jesus means we take up an attitude of wherever. Wherever Jesus goes, wherever he calls us, wherever he leads. I mean, I'm not sure you can call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ if you're not willing to take up this attitude in your life. That when Jesus says, go or follow me, our first response is wherever, God wherever you want to lead me. And not only wherever, but the next word is the word whenever. It's the word whenever. You know, another man came up to Jesus 
Jesus invites him to follow. And we don't know much about him other than the excuse that he gave for not following. Uh, In verse 59 here, it says this. He said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And so this man is invited to follow Jesus. We don't know his name. Had he agreed to follow Jesus, we'd probably get a name. But, but this man is just going to kind of go away with history. And, and I've got to be honest with you. I think Jesus' response here seems a bit harsh. All right? I mean, the guy says, can I go bury my father first? And Jesus said, you know what? Why don't you let the dead bury the dead? Now, chances are that this man's father hasn't died yet, and otherwise the guy wouldn't be there. And, and besides that, it was Eastern culture tradition that as a son, you would hang around until your father passed on so that you could be there for the burial and you could be there to do things right. And following his death and burial, you would take your inheritance and maybe move on into another season of life. And so that's what this man's getting at here. But Jesus is calling him to follow, and the man's first response is to put Jesus off. He's like, you know what? I am really interested in taking you up on your offer here. You know, when I get around to it, but right now just doesn't work for me. I mean, he's got every intention, but he says one day. And and I just want you to know that I think that's one of the most dangerous things that we could do with a series like this is to have all sorts of intentions of things that we're set on getting around to but never getting around to them. I mean, to walk away from here with lots of goals, I mean, maybe you'll be like, you know what? I'm going to get baptized. Or you're going to walk away from here saying, you know what, I'm going to follow wholeheartedly. Or I'm going to lead my family. Or I'm going to quit sleeping with my boyfriend. Or I'm going to start doing this. Or I'm going to start doing that. But it's a really bad time. I mean, it just doesn't really work for my schedule right now. And so I'm going to get around to it. And so we put it off. I mean, we put Jesus off. We, we put him off like that diet that we keep meaning to go on. Or we'll say, you know, I'll follow you, but I get to get through college first. Or I'll follow you, but I I need to wait until I get married. Or I'll follow you when my kids get a little bit older. I'll follow you as soon as we get the car paid off. And that's what we do. We've got every intention of getting around to it. But it's kind of like we just keep hitting uh, snooze on the alarm every day. I mean, it's just like, I just need a few more minutes. I just need a few more minutes. I mean, and it's like this man who met Jesus. He says, I want to follow. And Jesus says, great. How about right now? You know, one thing I've been trying to watch is uh, how I put off my kids at times, because I don't know if you're like me, but my kids will come up to me once in a while, maybe when I walk in the door from work and they'll be like, hey, dad, will you come do this or will you come play this game? And I've noticed that I've got this tendency to say, you know, what, pretty soon or, or in a little bit or in a few minutes and or, or then I'll serve or maybe then I'll start being generous or then I'll reach out to reconcile that broken relationship that's gone on way too long. And unfortunately, we just have this habit of saying in a little bit or I'll get around to it. And too often... You know, putting it off just kind of becomes a normal part of living. Can I, can I warn you of something? Can I caution you of something here? You know, I, I believe that the Holy Spirit is alive and active in any person who puts their trust in Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit works in us. The Holy Spirit is convicting of sin. The Holy Spirit is leading and guiding. But can I tell you this? If you keep putting off the prompting of the Holy Spirit in your life over and over again, there might come a place one day where you won't hear it any longer. You know, and in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 15, it says it this way, has, has just been said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. You know, for some of you, your next step, you know, in, in wrapping up today might be to get on your knees and to seek forgiveness in your life because you've been putting God off over and over again, maybe to the point that you don't even hear him anymore, but to seek his forgiveness. And then when he leads, you respond and you respond immediately. 
as a way of saying this is going to be the new direction in my life. Kyle writes it this way in his book. He says, you know, the time is now. The day is today. Don't tell yourself tomorrow I'm going to surrender my secret sin. Don't tell yourself tomorrow I'm going to start being generous to those in need. Don't tell yourself tomorrow I'm going to walk across the street and introduce myself to the neighbor. Don't tell yourself tomorrow I'm going to check into a mission trip or sign up for a Bible study or volunteer at the shelter or call, or, or call about being a foster home. Don't say tomorrow. Today is the day to start following. Today is the day to start following right here. For any person here today who says, you know what, I don't want to be a fan of Jesus. I want to be a follower of Jesus. Today is the day to start following when we walk out of this room in just a moment. And what's that going to look like in your life? Jesus says, follow. A follower's cry is whenever. Whenever, God, whenever you call me. And he says, right, what about right now? Last thing is this, following Jesus means an attitude of whatever. It means an attitude of whatever. Whatever it takes, whatever you call me to do. We meet a third guy in verse 61. It says it this way, Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go and say goodbye to my family. Now, again, there are some similarities in the conversation with this third man and the second man. Again, this man says, Hey, I am really interested but not right at this moment. He wants to say goodbye to his family first. And once again, it seems like a really reasonable request. But Jesus knows that this guy has more intentions than simply going home to give grandma, you know, a goodbye hug. All right, there's there's more going on here. The cultural practice of saying goodbye to your family could involve weeks and weeks of farewell parties and goodbye. And so it's almost as if Jesus is a little annoyed with this man. And he replies in verse 62, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. You know, Jesus uses an analogy here that I think if you use your imagination, you can see it, that instead of giving full attention to the work, the work of a plower looking ahead, that Jesus sees that this man is going to continue looking back. He's going to turn around and look back to see where he's come from. He can't give his full attention. And Jesus knows that the heart of this man is really somewhere else. And it's not that Jesus wasn't important to him, but following Jesus wasn't the top priority in his life. And unless this man is willing to leave everything behind, it's not going to work. I mean, he's not willing to go all in. There is something else that has his attention, and he'll only continue to look back. You know, I I once heard a story about baptism. I think I shared it here a couple of years ago, and and Kyle talks about it towards the conclusion of this book. Um, The Knights of Templar, uh, when they were baptized, the church allowed something that was a bit unusual, and that is that whenever a knight was baptized, that when they would go underwater, they'd have their sword in hand, but the sword wouldn't go under the water with them. They'd keep the sword out above the water, out in the open air. It was a way of saying, Jesus, you get all of me except for this except for this sword because what i do on the battlefield is my business you can have the rest of my life but you can't have this god it's not going to be part of the deal and we do that don't we i mean we, we sort of create we construct this way of christianity or a following that really works for us so that it doesn't become too inconvenient And many fans of Jesus respond this way. We'll say, you know what, I want to follow, but there's something I'm holding on to. I mean, for Nicodemus, it was his reputation with the other spiritual leaders. Uh, For the rich young ruler, it was, I'm not willing to surrender my possessions over to you. And for this man who comes across Jesus in verse 61, it was his family that was holding him back. I mean, for each, they really liked the idea of following Jesus, but they couldn't be exclusive. They weren't willing to let go of some things. You know, you just need to know today, 
And I'm saying this to me too, that Jesus isn't going to bargain with you on this whole bit of following. I mean, it's all or nothing. He, he's not going to tolerate split allegiance. And so for some of you, you know, you might be holding something back in your life right now that you need to fully and completely surrender to him. Something that you look for for comfort and satisfaction. I mean, maybe it's food. Maybe it's something like alcohol. You know, maybe it's an unhealthy relationship that you're in right now. Maybe it's you've decided that you're really interested in following Jesus, but you're not willing to surrender your sex life to him. You know, Jesus might be looking at what you view for entertainment, whether it be something that you watch on TV or, or movies or the Internet or video games or something. I mean, it could be your money. It could be something stupid like fantasy football. I mean, you've got more time and energy wrapped up into fantasy football than you do into your marriage or, or even your faith in Jesus Christ. And so Jesus says, so you want to follow, but then he asks, do I have your full attention or are you holding something back? And so that's my question for you today, before we close. What are you holding back right now? What is it that you continue to cling to that maybe you don't even realize it in your life, but it's become an idol, it's become a false god for you? I mean, what's keeping you from really following, of really trusting Jesus today? You know, I think the type of commitment that Jesus is looking for from us, I love how it's illustrated in the Old Testament. You know, we see it in 1 Kings chapter 19. We see it uh, in a prophet by the name of Elijah. And Elijah was given the responsibility of finding his replacement, of going out to find that next prophet to continue doing God's work. And God led him to a man by the name of Elisha. All right? And, and when he finds Elisha, Elisha is out in the fields. And the scriptures say that he's plowing the fields. And he's got 12 yoke of oxen, which is an indication that he's a very rich man. And so you can't help but wonder that as Elijah is approaching Elisha, if he's thinking to himself, this is going to be way too difficult for Elisha. I mean, he's got way too much invested here. There's no way that he could let go of all of this. I mean, and if Elisha is going to respond to God's invitation to follow, to take on this responsibility, it's going to require him leaving everything behind, his friends, his career, his riches, his possessions. And the scriptures say that when Elisha heard the invitation, he didn't try and keep the business going. He didn't try and work out some arrangement with God that worked a little bit better for his situation. The scriptures tell us that instead you can read how he slaughtered all 24 oxen and then he gathered up all of his plows and he gathered them into this field and he set all of them on fire and people came from all around to see what was going on to witness as Elisha was burning up everything that had belonged to him. It was Elisha's way of saying, I'm going to follow and I'm not going to look back. Everything for my king. He was giving his full attention to the plow that God had given to him. And so he burned his old ones. For Elisha, there was going to be no looking back. And I just wonder if we could be like that. I mean, what would it mean for you and me to take on a a life, an attitude of surrender, a desire to follow like Elisha here, where we say, you know what, I'm going all in. And there will be no looking back in my life. I mean, when you accept the invitation to follow Jesus, you're not just saying that he is the top priority in your life. You're saying that he is the only priority in your life and that everything belongs to him. And many will say today, I'm ready to follow. But maybe what Jesus wants to say to you today is this, that following me means wherever, whenever, and whatever. And so who's ready to follow Jesus today? Who's willing to start asking the questions of this is what that looks like 
in my life. You know, I can't help but wonder what this means to me. As I was praying this morning before I came in here, of just really sensing even some burden in my own life that I've got some work to do with this still. That even as your pastor, I'm holding back. That there's more that God is calling me to surrender as a husband, as a man, as a pastor, that I've got work to do. But what could it mean for your life? I mean, what could it mean for you to make a decision this morning that it's, it's all about where I go from here and that I truly want to be a follower of Jesus Christ and, and be available to whatever he calls me to do next? I mean, imagine, I mean, what, what could it look like in your life to be able to say, I know and I'm confident that I'm living in the will of God? I mean, how many of us want that? And what could that mean for our church? I mean, for every single one of us to take on this attitude of, I want to be a follower of Jesus, what could this do for our church as we keep looking ahead to the work that's before us, that God has laid before us as a church, to really be a church of followers? I mean, there's no telling what God could do. Will you bow your head and pray with me? And as we do that today, I I want to give you just a moment to take a few minutes for prayer for yourself. You know, maybe thinking along those lines of wherever or whenever or whatever. You know, as God says, what about there or what about now or what about that? I want to give you just a moment to pray for yourself and then I'll, I'll, I'll wrap us up in prayer this morning. What, what does God want to say to you today or what do you want to say to Him? God of heaven, we thank you for your invitation to follow. And while I certainly don't feel like I deserve it, God, uh, we thank you for Jesus Christ who is made it possible for us to find our way back to you and that you've not only set aside a place for us in eternity in heaven one day, but you've called us to your work for your kingdom even right now. That my eternity doesn't begin when I pass away, you know, one day, but my eternity began when I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. And I know that many share that today. And how awesome that we get to share in that victory, that we get to participate in the work that you are doing in this world to make things right once again. God, I pray for every person here today whose heart and desire and prayer is to be a follower of Jesus, that we're not satisfied in being fans of you, but we truly want to be your followers. And so, God, what does that look like for us today? God, would you lead us and guide us? And I pray that as we pray these prayers and as we walk out of this room in just a few moments that you'll show us the next steps, that following you doesn't begin tomorrow or following you doesn't begin next week or following you doesn't begin once the school year comes to an end, but following you begins today. It starts over today. And we thank you for your grace and for your mercy. And we are anticipating, God, to what you call us to as we leave and as we go from here. And God, I thank you for the awesome reminder in Scripture, through our songs today, and through words, that it doesn't matter where we've been or even where we are right now, but it's where we go from here.